Hello there, and welcome to Not The Farmer's Wife podcast. I'm CJ Steedman, and I'm definitely not the farmer's wife. I am a mum, a partner, a full-time off-farm worker, and enthusiastically a lady farmer. On our farm, Mojo Homestead, we grow chickens, goats, cows, and bees. We practice regenerative agriculture and holistic management. If, like me, you love all things farming and homesteading, and if you'd like to learn from the female farmer's perspective, then I'd love to have you along for the ride. So let's get farming. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Not the Farmer's Wife. Uh, for those that haven't met me before, I'm CJ, and I'll be your host today. And we've had a little bit of a stressful week. <laughs> and I just wanted to run through uh, something that people don't talk about. And, and it's not before anybody panics. It's nothing to do with animals dying or anything like that. It's just that bullshit that happens when things don't go to plan. And sometimes it feels like on a homestead, things don't go to plan a lot more than in normal real life. Does that make sense? Um, I don't know whether that actually resonates with anybody, but it certainly for us, um, I guess because we're trying things that are new, um, you know, it could be something as little as, you know, trying to make cheese from scratch and it doesn't go to plan and you end up with a failed batch of cheese or, um, you know, your sourdough. I've got a video on my TikTok and, um, and Facebook and Insta pages showing what happens when my sourdough looks like it's seen better weeks or months and how to bring it back from what looks like the brink. Um, but we also have some other things that go wrong that some of them are funny, some are just like scary, but when they happen, you kind of sit back and really question your life choices. And I say that often, I quite often say it at 4.30 in the morning when I'm getting up to go and milk two goats. And I'll say to the handy helper, I'm really questioning my life choices about now <laughs> because the idea of rolling back over and going back to sleep is so tempting some mornings. Other mornings I spring out of bed, but I feel like lately I've been working three separate jobs and uh, not sleeping anywhere near as much as I should be. And I really need to get myself a bit more sleep and get to bed a bit earlier because when things do go wrong and you're tired and run down, it just feels like the end of the world. <clears throat> and so I want to run through a few things that have happened to us over our, our homesteading career. And I'll, I'm going to start with the latest because this is what happened this week. And it was... I. I cried and I'm not a crier. I'm really not a crier. <laughs> I struggle to get tears out sometimes when I should be crying. Um, but this one, I sat in the car and bawled. <laughs> um, so to give you the backstory though, we have a uh, goat um, who is our buck, Rocky. Rocky was, I, I don't want to say very expensive, but to non-goat people, he would be very expensive. But he's a purebred Anglo-Nubian. And we got him from a lovely breeder up in Rockhampton called Dadadoo Anglo-Nubians. The milking goats, they, they raise milking goats for, for cheese, uh, for soap, and for, they feed pigs the goat's milk. So it's milk-raised pork, which is supposedly really awesome. Anyway, Rocky is a stunning specimen of an Anglo-Nubian. And he's got a beautiful personality. He's a gorgeous goat. And he has a paddock buddy called Buster, who's a weather from a couple of litters, a couple of litters, a couple of um, deliveries ago of hazels. And we kept Buster because we, at the, he was 
a, a weather and a young kid at the same time as Rocky and we wanted him to grow up with Rocky so that Rocky would always have a paddock buddy uh, if bucks are kept on their own in paddocks they can get very lonely and and that's not fair to the buck so Buster's job is 100% just to keep Rocky company um, that's all he is there for he's not going to freeze a camp he's weathered so he doesn't do anything he doesn't breed he doesn't yeah anyway both of these boys lovely boys but they keep breaking out of the yard because the electric fencing wasn't working it was earthing out somehow and the handy helper just hadn't got around he'd been too busy at work he'd been doing a lot of overtime shifts hadn't got around to fixing it <laughs> the boys had broken out so many times we dumped them into the front paddock with the cows because it's fully fenced and we knew that they couldn't get out from there and there's no lady goats in there and we don't want him going over any lady goats at the moment because that would muck up our breeding program so he's out down in the front paddock and of course I have to drive through a gate two gates to get out to drop the kids to school and I was off all this week at home I drove out the kids helped me get out through the gate so that the goats couldn't come back in when I came back in, I knew I was going to go back out again that afternoon for kids sport. And so I left my car parked on the other side of the gate in the main paddock and walked up to the house. And I came back five hours later to my car completely trashed. <laughs> and when I say completely trashed, they hadn't chewed anything off it. They'd jumped up on the sides of the car and the back of the car and the front of the car and with their sharp little hooves scratched the juco and it looked like a if you could imagine what a two-year-old with a screwdriver could have done to a car that's about on par with what these two goats had done to my car so i sat in my car and cried a lot because my car's only just a year old to me and um, it's probably one of the newer cars i've ever owned um, it's a beautiful car it cost me a lot of money I was really not very happy and I sat there going that's it Rocky's gonna go I'll sell him and Buster can go to freezer camp and I'm done I'm gonna sell all the goats and of course that didn't happen I was not gonna do that but in that moment of seeing my car with scratch marks all over it I was at that point Anyway, it made me think about all the other things that we've had. And some have been funny, not sad like that, where I cried. Um, some have been a little bit funny and a bit of a learning curve. So I'm going to run through a few more of them. So when we first got our milking goats, which was um, six years ago now, five years ago, um, they came to us already bred, uh, Hazel and Willow. And even though I had grown up milking uh, a, a um, Frisian cow called Gypsy, I'd grown up milking her. I had not milked goats before and so yeah, in the last five years I've learned a lot about milking goats and luckily I had the background of milking the cow so I understood you know the the ins and outs of it but we um we got them and I didn't really have anything that was suitable for straining and I didn't think about it at the time so I just used a sieve to strain the, the milk through uh, to put it into a glass jar to put it in the fridge to chill it so that we could all try our first time ever you know of our goat's milk you know I'd had goat's milk before but not that I'd milked it but um, we tried goat's milk from the shop and we liked that so yeah I strained it through a sieve and um, the handy helper was going to be the first to try it so I poured a lovely big glass for him <laughs> and he took a big swig <laughs> and promptly proceeded to bolt to the bathroom and spit it into the sink because I had not strained it properly and he essentially got a mouthful of goat hair 
which <laughs> kind of put him off goat milk a little bit for a little while. After that, he was like, are we straining this milk properly? And of course, after that, I managed to get a nut bag, milk bag, cheesecloth bag that was much better and the sieve and we've not had that problem again <laughs> i've made sure of it but that just goes to show you that you've got to have the correct equipment on hand before you do these things and i did not have the correct equipment uh, the next one that i thought was a bit funny was um the handy helper is not fond of snakes um and i know a lot of people aren't i'm i'm not overly fussed i don't like them around the house but if i see them out in the bush i don't have a problem with them i don't feel the need to go and threaten them or push them away or anything like that I just walk the other way anyway handy helper was working this is when we we're on a small farm working on his car and he was um, under the bonnet of his car um, on the ground um, looking up at the engine bay trying to do something to it I think he was doing something with the suspension and he glanced over to the left hand side of him just because he saw something move and saw a tiger snake <laughs> crawling past him probably about a meter from his head on the ground of the garage it was on the cold concrete and it was clearly enjoying having a little bit of a respite from the hot sun and was just working its way through the garage trying to work out where to go um, the handy helper tells me that he felt felt like he levitated off the ground without actually having to slide out from under the car I'm pretty sure he did slide out from under the car, but <laughs> he then went on to call out to me. I called the local snake handler who came up and tried to find the snake in the shed. Couldn't find it. Said to us, look, it'll be around here somewhere. If you see it again, just call us back. So handy helpers back out in the shed working on the car. I was inside the kitchen making dinner and I hear him screaming again. And I go out there. He didn't want to lay down on the ground because he was worried that the snake would come back. So he was trying to work on the car from above and he'd kept a um, metal rake next to the car just in case. And the snake had slithered past his foot <laughs> and he grabbed the rake and pushed down hard on it. The rake broke and he ended up holding it literally about 40 centimetres from where the snake's head was and then couldn't move because <laughs> he was too close to the snake. And he's screaming and he didn't have his phone on him, so he couldn't even ring me. So I was inside the house and not really very close. And he's screaming at the top of his lungs to get me out there. Anyway, we managed to get the snake catcher back up. He came in, <laughs> rescued the handy helper from his predicament of holding the snake so close. Uh, he just kept saying to him, don't move until I tell you. Don't move until I tell you. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, the handy helper has since gone on to uh, avoid snakes like the plague around the farm. Uh, the next one is comes down to um, not having not being prepared for something to go wrong when it potentially could have gone wrong. Um, MJ got some budgies for Christmas one year. Two budgies. We bought two because we thought it'd be nicer for them to be together. One of them has since died and we only have one left. But... Out of the two, as we were transferring them from the small cage that we had brought them in from the, the person we'd bought them off um, into a bigger cage that we had bought for her to have uh, as a Christmas present with these birds, um, one of them bit the handy helper and he let go of it. Luckily, we were inside the shed. Unfortunately, the shed is about 
300 square meters and it's got like 20 foot ceilings so we, we were trying to catch this is the day before christmas trying to catch a loose budgie in this massive shed and the there's no windows we managed to close all the doors and turn the lights on so we could see where it was but there's a fan that goes out of the top of the um the top of the shed and all we were worried about was this budgie was going to try and get through the fan and the fan would twirl and then we'd have a dead budgie and that would be a really interesting situation the day before christmas anyway the handy helper found a an old aerial long truck aerial that he had and we used that i think we smeared some peanut butter on the end of it and used it and held it out and the budgie ended up getting onto the antenna and we were able to bring it back down and put it near the cage and it hopped into the cage because the other budgie was already in the cage so oh my god it was just a nightmare so don't don't repackage pets like budgies in a 20 foot high shed that's my hot tip on that one now the next two relate to bees and i a lot of people don't know that i've got um six hives seven hives i think i've got seven at the moment seven hives um and i have been a beekeeper for about four years so not very long i'm still a learner beekeeper in the greater scheme of things but i do love it i love my bees they, my girls are fantastic they're awesome awesome little insects i just think they're the bomb but <laughs> we've had a few issues from time to time now um one of the things the one of the reasons why i've got seven is because i have gone out of my way to catch hives when they are swarming so for those that don't know uh, when bees go to swarm uh, usually they'll do it through the spring summer autumn when the their hive has gotten too full and they'll do a breakaway group so another queen will form be growing and um and the queen one of the queens will try and break away and take the other swarm somewhere else and so you end up with a small cluster of bees and when i say small cluster it could be several thousand but it's a small cluster in comparison to the hive that they're leaving so it's called a split where some of them will stay with the queen in the hive and the other not half but maybe a third of the bees will leave and go with the old queen or the new queen depending on who's won the, the battle of staying so when i know that there is a hive around i will try and capture it um, and put it into a box for a couple of reasons one wild swarms can cause some issues um, as far as pest control disease control because there's nobody monitoring them so it is better for bees to be kept where they can be monitored by a beekeeper and make sure that they are not spreading diseases. Um, and secondly, the obvious reasons, it's 250, 300, I think up to 450 for a nucleus of bees. So for a mini hive with a queen is quite a bit of money. And so the idea of getting a free swarm um, is very appealing so i will absolutely go and i'll drive out of my way to go and pick up a swarm if it's going to save me that kind of money so we had a split happen for the first time ever with my big yellow hive so the the main hive that i've got the oldest hive it decided to do a split three times it split <laughs> three times this hive this swarm went First of all, it started on the raspberry cane, the base of the raspberry canes. Now, if anybody's ever seen trying to pick up bees off a ground level hive, like a ground level swarm at the base of a bush, it's a bloody nightmare. You feel like you're picking up like 
a living mass of bees and putting them in. And of course, I couldn't find the queen. So I had the box right next to it, up on stilts, just next to it. And I'm trying to put them into the box. Couldn't find the queen. In the end, I just, you know, crossed my fingers and hoped. Came back out a couple hours later. No, nah, they'd all left that box. They didn't want that box. They'd found somewhere else. So <laughs> same, same swarm ended up in a tree. So we went over and we tried to get them out of the tree and we managed to shake it all into the box and we put the box down again and, and we I didn't want to close it off completely because I couldn't see the queen in there. I still couldn't see her. So didn't want to close it off completely just in case she hadn't made it in there yet. And came back out the next morning. Box is empty. Swarm's gone. This time they were on a... Where were they the last time? I think they were on a log. And I ended up spraying them with sugar soap because I, I couldn't, I could just could not scrape these bees into a bucket to put them into the box. So I ended up spraying them with sugar soap to stop them from flying or moving or trying to go anywhere. And it made that when you spray them with sugar soap, all they want to do is clean themselves. So it settled them down a bit. Came out the next day, swarm was gone. Never found them again. They were long gone. I don't know where they ended up. They're probably living their best bee life in a tree trunk somewhere on the back of the property, but they definitely did not stay around. They were adamant they were not living in the box that I was giving them. Um, so <laughs> sometimes even when you do all your best efforts to catch a swarm, it just doesn't happen. And, and sometimes you just have to cut your losses and walk away and go, oh, we missed that one. Um, but we also have had one, and we actually managed to keep this swarm, um, but it was a bit of a funny incident because the handy helper is not a beekeeper as such. He's learned a lot um, by helping me, and he suits up and he comes and does everything, but um, he thinks like a, a gardener or a, you know, a, a boy. He thinks like a boy. So we found a swarm up a tree and it was right on the end of a branch so so hanging right out off this end of this branch on a eucalyptus tree but it was up probably I'd say a good 10 meters off the ground so we had the ladder up he was up the top of the ladder I was halfway up the ladder and I said to him look what's going to be easiest is if you can reach out onto that branch and cut through the branch just enough to to bend the branch down and drop it into the tub, the plastic tub that I'm going to hold on my head. So if you can picture me standing halfway up a ladder with a plastic tub on my head, holding it under where this swarm is hanging off this tree, because I said I want to make sure I get the queen, so I want the whole swarm to go into the tub. And I don't care if the branch goes in there with them, I can just kind of put the lid lightly on it and, and then take it down to put it in the box, and I can check for the queen while I'm putting it in. Yeah, yeah, no problems. I'll climb right up the top of the ladder, he says, and, and I'll cut the branch just so that I can dip it down enough to get it into the tub for you gently. I said, all right, well, just make sure that when you're cutting it that it doesn't start to break on its own and, like, get away from you because if you do it without it being gentle, the bees, like, they'll just go everywhere. If, if the branch hits me too hard, if it hits the tub too hard, bees will just go everywhere. Yeah, no, 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 I'll do it slow, he says. So <laughs> he's up there with the with the tree saw sawing through this branch. I'm holding it. I'm holding the tub on my head. I'm looking up at the branch and I'm thinking, wow, that branch is really, it looks like it's really dipping really quickly. And so I'm yelling out to him, just slow down a bit. <laughs> 
And before I could say it the second time, he dropped the branch. He dropped the entire swarm onto my head, knocked the bucket off my head. I ended up covered in bees, literally covered in bees. So I'm then trying to get down the ladder, covered in bees, to walk over to where the box was and shake the bees off me into the box so that we could try and get the swarm and keep them. And it was, I'd, I'd, if anybody had been watching, um, they probably could have played the Benny Hill music because <laughs> it would have been a terrible, terrible look to watch me standing over a box, shaking my arms and my head and trying to scrape bees off me into the box in order to try and get this swarm to stay put and try and find the queen. And of course, I'm doing it all gently because I don't want to squash the queen. If you squash the queen, it's all over. So I'm, yeah, it was a nightmare. So if you are planning on going into beekeeping, um, my suggestion is either don't catch swarms or catch swarms and make sure you video it because I reckon I could have won Funniest Home Videos with that one. It would have been hysterical to watch. Luckily, nobody was watching and it's not recorded, so nobody will ever have to know about that one. <laughs> um, uh, the next one that I wanted to talk about, I've got a little list here with all of them. So the next one that I wanted to talk about was um, the arrival of triplets. Um, as you know, we've got milking goats and uh, out of our milking goats, we have Hazel and Willow, who are the two matriarchs of the herd. And Willow... Um, is very sooky. Willow's my little girl and she's not a little girl. She's quite big, but she's always up for a cuddle. If I go over into the paddock, she comes running to me and gives me lovely cuddles because she is just such an affectionate goat. Now, she wasn't always like this, but she very much since becoming a mum, she has been like this with me. So whenever she um, has her babies, she we joke that she has to go to the goat maternity suite and she needs somebody to sit and hold her hoof while she has her babies. She does not like having her babies without a human there to pat her and basically tell her what an amazing goat she is. So <laughs> we'd had some issues. I had a goat at the time that had mastitis, so I had her in the birthing pen. I didn't really want any other goats in the birthing pen because of the mastitis bacterias, and, and we had to clean it all out anyway. And... um. So she was due, but she wasn't due for another two or three days. And I'd been watching her and I didn't think she was showing any signs of going early or anything like that. Anyway, left her in the paddock overnight, got up in the morning, dealt with the injections and everything for my go with mastitis. And um, while I was doing that, I heard the handy helper yell out. He'd gone up to, to feed the other goats to just drop some hay to them. And I heard him yell out, Cass, can you come up here? There's something wrong. There's somebody, somebody screeching. Anyway, I started walking up to the top paddock where the goats were. And I could hear the most hoarse and raspy goat bleat I've ever heard. It sounded like the goat had laryngitis. And it was still dark at this point. So I couldn't see anything. All I could do was hear this awful bleat that just sounded like laryngitis-y they'd lost their voice and I was thinking oh my god they, they must be trapped in a fence and they've been screaming all night the poor thing so I started running got to the gate and uh handy helper's standing there and he looks at me and says I I think there's babies and I said what do you mean and he's turned the torch around and sure enough there's a little kid in the middle of the paddock so then we both legged it into the paddock Hazel and Lucy, who are our two milkers this year, 
were standing either side of Willow and they were guarding her. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen. The Merrimer was also in there. She was also guarding. But the two goats were also helping guard. Willow had delivered three bucklings on her own with no assistance, um, which for her, it, you know, she was fine delivering them. She's just such a sook. She always wants a human there. Um, but she delivered these three boys and one of them was huge. I can't imagine what it would have been like for her. And she had screamed so much, obviously trying to get my attention, um, that she lost her voice. So <laughs> the screeching laryngitis goat that we had heard was actually the mother who had just screamed her lungs out in some kind of effort to get my attention and get me up there. And of course, she'd done a wonderful job and delivered all three and you know was up had them up and feeding before we even got up there oh well they I don't think they're up and feeding they were pretty close to having just been born but um we very quickly got them and moved them into one of the birthing pens and and she was fine but I don't think she forgave me for weeks afterwards I used to get the dirties every time I'd go into the yard with her so baby goats can arrive on their own and if you haven't ever heard of the doe code I'll cover the doe code in another episode it can be quite funny it's um, whatever you think is going to happen when you are trying to birth baby goats. Uh, yeah, whatever you plan for. It's like it's like when women say they have a birthing plan. Um, I know certainly for both of my kids, I was like, yeah, I'm going to have a birthing plan. And anybody that's had a birthing plan and gone into labor and anything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. <laughs> so... My birthing plan with my first one went completely out the window because we ended up having to have a, a C-section uh, because she was breech and there was no way she was coming out the normal way. Um, and my uh, birthing plan with the second one was uh, to have a live baby. That was literally my birthing plan in the end because I just went, I can't do this again. I can't plan for it and have it all go pear-shaped. Pear um, and we had a fantastic birth, so it was all good. Uh, but yeah, with goats, they have a doe code that they follow and the doe code means anything you expect will happen, the polar opposite will end up happening. Uh, and in this case, Willow was quite happy to, well, not quite happy, but quite capable of delivering triplets on her own in the middle of the paddock in the middle of the night. <laughs> um, now, the next two that I want to talk about relate to the lovely goat chicken and goat chicken um, for those that don't know, if you have a look on my Insta pages, goat chicken features quite heavily because she's a very photogenic goat, of course. Uh, goat chicken. She's a chicken. Just so I can clarify, goat chicken is a chicken. She's an Arakan hen and she believes that she is special and different and more beautiful than any other hen in our paddock. She refuses to live in the paddock with the other chickens because she's special. So she just flies over the electric fence and won't stay in there. Uh, so she's taken up residence at the back of the goat shed. And that's why she gets called goat chicken. So goat chicken is the handy helper's favorite chicken. She has such personality. Um, and her mother is Agnes, who is the mother of all chickens, who is our oldest hen that we have. And goat chicken used to loiter every morning when we would be doing milking or dealing with anything with goats, baby goats, goat chicken would always loiter. And last year we had two orphan um, kids that we were bottle raising. And so goat chicken used to hang around their store quite a bit because we we're in and out with the bottle feeding. And um, all of a sudden she vanished. 
we, we hadn't seen her for probably three or four days when Handy Helper realised. And then we looked everywhere. We searched high and low. We went into every hidey hole that she used to have, everywhere she used to lay eggs. We went and searched and um, could not find her. Could not find eggs anywhere. We couldn't find where she'd been laying. We could not find her. Handy Helper was distraught. He was adamant. She's been taken by a fox. That's it. We've lost goat chicken. You know, her, her free living ways of not living in the yard with all the other chickens have done her in. And um, I started adding up how long it had been since she'd been gone. It was about 14 days. And I said, I just think we should wait maybe another seven days because I think there might be something else going on and I don't think she's been taken by a fox. Handy helper would not believe me. He was adamant. Nope, she's been taken by a fox. That's it. I've lost my favorite chicken. You know, how all over a placer. I said, just stand by. I, until we get to that 21-day mark, it's a magical number for chickens. Till we get to that 21-day mark, I think we should wait. Anyway, sure enough, uh, the 21-day mark actually happened uh, the morning after a massive thunderstorm. We had a huge, horrendous thunderstorm. Uh, it was towards the end of, I think, February this year or March. Massive thunderstorm. Torrential rain. Uh, Handy Helper had uh, he had some family commitments that he had to deal with with his children and so he uh, left the farm early and I walked up to feed up um, everybody was finished milking by then and, and back in the paddock normally so I just took some hay up to them and to feed the chickens and as I'm walking up I hear this little cheep 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 from the corner of the veggie garden I thought that's a bit odd there's no I don't think there's any there's no wild birds that have been nesting there because we do have wild ducks that nest on the property. We've also got lots of finches and um, what's the other ones? Oh, we've always got rosellas and magpies and things like that. But it was on the ground and I was like, no, there's nothing that would have been laying eggs that close to the ground. Anyway, I looked over and here is an absolutely drenched goat chicken. Like she was, every feather was soaked through. She looked like, you know, when a dog, when a big shaggy dog is wet and you think, oh my God, they're so skinny. They look really big normally. And when, they, when they're wet, they just look so skinny. She looked like that. She looked like a drowned rat. And underneath her were four gorgeous, perfectly dry, fluffy little day old chicks. So goat chicken hadn't been taken by a fox. Goat chicken had taken herself off to go clucky and sit on some eggs. Um, it was it was a good thing, but it was unexpected. So the comedy of errors that followed was me trying to catch goat chicken, who is very tame normally and quite easy to catch. But when she's got four little baby chicks in tow, while she was easy to catch, they weren't so easy. And I didn't have a net. I didn't have anything that I could catch them with. So I'm running around the veggie garden trying to catch goat chicken and her babies to move them down into the brooder house. Oh, my God. I got them there eventually. <laughs> it was a little bit of swearing, a lot of cursing, a lot of, oh, my God, you rotten fucking chook. <laughs> uh, but goat chicken has also gone on to do some other stuff that's a bit naughty and partially because of her, you know, the person who loves her the most, Handy Helper, he doesn't shut doors. He's got a thing about not shutting the feed shed door. And I, I, we've been over it many, many times. And I keep saying to him, one day he's going to come home and there's going to be a horse standing in there eating and we'll have no food left and they'll end up with a sore tummy. Anyway, he leaves the 
feature door open quite regularly. I, of course, every time I walk past it, I see the door open, I shut the door. Now, I don't always look to see what's in there before I shut the door, which is a bit silly of me. I shut the door first thing in the morning after he'd left it open first thing in the morning and uh, came back that afternoon, thought, that's funny, I haven't seen goat chicken all day. Opened the shed door <laughs> to the most stuffed goat chicken I've ever seen. Her croup was so full, it looked like it was sitting on the ground. She had literally sat in the feed shed and eaten all day and couldn't even get up to get out. When I opened the door and went, oh my God, what are you doing in here? Out. She looked at me like, I'm just going to roll out. <laughs> anyway, goat chicken can be a bit naughty, but we love her. So she gets away with it because she's cute. Anyway, the last one that I want to tell you about is the horse who's a cow killer. And when I say cow killer, she didn't actually kill the cow. I'll just, not, no animals died in the making of any of this. Maybe some bees died, but yeah. No, oh, and, and well, the snake didn't die either. So yeah, no, no animals have died in this. Um, the horse who's a cow killer, my gorgeous Anglo-Arab mare. Yes, she's a chestnut mare for those of you who are horsey and know that a chestnut mare is like, you know, it's like you've bought the psycho horse of all psycho horses. Um, so Abby, Abby's gorgeous, but Abby has a lot of attitude, as most chestnut mares do. And Abby, if she doesn't like something, well, she doesn't like it. And she'll tell it she doesn't like it. And she won't let it go anywhere near her things because she doesn't like it. So last year we bought two potty calves. Um, Millie and Molly. Molly's a Black Angus and Millie is a uh, Frisian Holstein. And uh, we raised them off the bottle. So they're older now. They, they're well and truly off the bottle at this point. This was earlier this year. And but they're very clingy still. They're very and they're still very friendly now. I've kept Millie really friendly because I want to use her as a milking cow next year. So um, I have kept them fairly hand tamed. And Millie, as such, was running towards me um, as I left to go and drop the kids off at school. I was dropping only my daughter off. My son was sick that day, so he was coming back home with me, and we're going to stay at home. Now I was kind of lucky that I had him in the car, even though he was sick and there wasn't a lot he could do. We came up through the first gate to the second gate coming back from the bus stop and noticed Millie walking down to the water tub. We've got an old bathtub in the paddock that's in the front paddock where the horses and the cows were both at that particular point in time. And Millie was walking over towards the bathtub and uh, as she walked over to the bathtub, we noticed that Abby was kind of trotting over to the bathtub. And I said to OJ, oh, I don't think Abby wants Millie to go near the bathtub. This is not maybe going to end well. I'll just get up to the gate here and I'll stop. And before we go through, I'll just go down and make sure that Abby doesn't do anything to Millie. Not that she'd ever done anything before, but she I know what she's like. She can be a little bit aggressive. She's funny with, with the goats as well. Anyway, as we pulled up, <laughs> Abby has lunged at Millie who was just stretching her neck out to have a sip of water out of the bathtub and uh, she's lunged at Millie. Millie who was probably half her size at that point has panicked not knowing what to do. Here's this ferocious red beast bearing its teeth with its ears flat back you know at her so she didn't know what to do so she's panicked and jumped sideways the only problem is the bathtub is up against the fence. 
So when she jumped sideways, she actually fell through the fence. And I swear, she could not do it again if she tried. She fell through the fence, but after stepping through the fence. So if you could imagine, I'll try and describe it for you, a cow flicking through the fence, but her one of her legs went between two fence strands. And as she's fallen, the fence strands have tightened around her leg. So she was stuck on her back, on the ground, in the paddock next to the, the bathtub. Poor Abby, she looked, and I think she was just as shocked as, as Millie was in that that was not what she intended. <laughs> she did not mean for Millie to go through the fence and fall over like that. So Abby's standing there with a look of shock on her face. Millie is upside down with the most horrendous look of shock on her face going, how the fuck did I get here? <laughs> I'm out the car running towards Millie, screaming at Abby, you fucking cow killer, get away from that poor cow. OJ, who was crook, he had the flu, he's out the car going, what should I do, mum? And all I could think was, I'm never going to get this fence off her leg. Like, I'm never going to be able to, like, she'll kick and carry on. I'll never be able to loosen the fence around her leg. So I told him to run into the shed and get anything that looked like a pair of scissors. <laughs> because I was like pliers wire cutters and he's like what do you mean I said anything that looks like a pair of scissors that would cut metal just go and grab it out of the shed and I couldn't even think where the handy helper would have had a pair of wire cutters that I could say to OJ go here and look there I just said go and look and I raced down to where Millie was and poor Millie's still laying on the ground with this one leg stuck between the fence strands unable to move she couldn't go anywhere Molly's screeching her lungs out because her best friend Millie is looking like she's dead you know and I've jumped on the fence literally stood on the bottom strand to push it away from the bottom of her leg and pulled the top strand up to try and loosen it so that she could actually pull her leg out anyway it probably took me 10 minutes to actually get the wires enough and just as I was doing it OJ came running out with a pair of wire cutters in his hand luckily I did not have to cut the fence wire I managed to stand with both feet I don't know how I balanced because I haven't got that good a balance normally stood on these both strands on the bottom and pulled with my both hands pulled the top strand up and managed to loosen it enough so that Millie felt her leg loosen and she pulled her leg back and she was able to get out. Mind you, she was still laying flat on her back on the ground, looking up at me like, what the fuck just happened? I have no idea. One minute I'm taking a sip of water out of the bathtub. The next minute I'm laying on my back stuck in a fence. So I had to then try and roll a cow over to try and get her legs away from the fence so she could actually get up off the ground. Honestly, I could have killed Abby. I We jokingly refer to her as the cow killer every time we talk to her now. I think she knows what it means because every time she goes anywhere near the cows, she has a very sheepish look on her face like, it's not what I meant for it to happen. <laughs> anyway. The joys of homesteading, hey? <laughs> so if you uh, have animals, what's the, they say it in Hollywood, don't they? Don't ever work with kids and animals. Well, none of those stories really affect, there's not a kid issue there, uh, apart from goat kids. Uh, my kids are actually pretty good when it comes to this kind of stuff. 
but certainly working with animals you just have to expect the unexpected I think every single time and if you do that you'll never be surprised you'll always just kind of walk away going well kind of expected shit to go wrong and shit went wrong so that's my homesteading hiccups for this week so I hope you've enjoyed that um i am going to launch into a few different things over the next couple of months certainly over the christmas months on the podcast i'm going to be covering off on things like how to have a holiday when you have a homestead and how you can manage your animals your gardens things like that when you're actually wanting to take time away and sometimes you can and sometimes you can't but i'll cover that in december and I've got a couple of things that I want to cover, re um, bees and some more financy stuff as well. But if there's a topic that you'd like me to cover, by all means, jump on. Oh, and hopefully, I'm just trying to tee it up at the moment. I'm hopefully going to have a couple of guests on in the next, I don't know, two months it'll be. Maybe in January, I'll try a name for it. Um, I'm going to hopefully try and have some guests on. I'm looking at getting somebody who can come and talk to us about uh, raw food diets for dogs. Not for humans, for dogs. Uh, because we transitioned both of our dogs over to raw food diet and have watched their health just blossom. Um, they, they look so healthy. They've got so much energy. Um, I, I just, I want to know more about it. I'm, I'm very much a newbie in the raw food uh, area for dogs. Uh, but I also wanted to get somebody in. I'm just negotiating with somebody at the moment about the possibility of them coming on and talking about um, goat's milk as an alternative to cow's milk even though we consume both and i have no problem with cow's milk but a lot of people have asked me about the whole goat's milk versus cow's milk for things like eczema asthma lactose intolerance and i'm no dietitian i know what's worked for my family and i know that oj uh, was told he was lactose intolerant we were told he was lactose intolerant at four months and he's certainly not lactose intolerant um, and he certainly consumes goat's milk without a problem but he can also consume cow's milk without a problem now as well. Uh, but I'd like to get a dietitian in. So I'm just negotiating with somebody at the moment. And hopefully she will be able to come in and give us all of the actual data and the evidence, the science side of why goat's milk can be a great alternative. And particularly why raw milk can be a great alternative for some people as well. So hopefully that'll be in the next couple of weeks. I'll be negotiating that. So maybe January, those podcasts will go out, hopefully. Might get them done before Christmas. We'll see. Anyway, have a fabulous week, everybody. And uh, I will see you all next week. Um, stay safe. It's very windy, very hot and dry here in Australia. I know over in the States, it's probably going the opposite way and starting to get colder. And what are we, November? Some of you might be starting to get a bit of snow. And we're looking forward to Thanksgiving because our family here at Mojo Homestead, um, we celebrate Thanksgiving each year because we have previously had an American au pair that came and lived with us for six months. And he helped us um, celebrate Thanksgiving and we've just continued it on and kept doing it since then. Anyway, I'll talk to you all next week. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you left me a review. I would also absolutely love it if you tagged me in your next post on your favourite socials at either Not The Farmer's Wife or Mojo Homestead. And don't forget to get your free guide to backyard chicken keeping at www.mojohomestead.net backslash seven must knows. And remember, grow the life you want to live. See ya.